0: Turn with me today to the book of Titus, the book of Titus chapter 2. As I mentioned a a few minutes ago, when when Christmas is on Saturday and then you come Sunday morning, you feel like you still are in Christmas. How many feel like you're still kind of in Christmas? Yeah. And so it's difficult as a pastor to move on to the next subject Because I'm I'm not quite ready for the new year. (laughs) So I'm I'm gonna pick up where I left off last Sunday. If you weren't with us last Sunday, we were in Matthew chapter two, and we were looking at the kings of Christmas. And in the first two verses, it talks about the kings of Christmas. And in, in uh, Matthew chapter two, verse one, it says, now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, Herod was one of the kings we talked about. Behold, the wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Many times we refer to them as we three kings, you know, the song saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? And that's Jesus. For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. So there were three different groups that we looked at. We looked at Herod, who was an evil king, a brutal king, had his family murdered because he didn't want them to take over his reign. Then we also looked at the three kings who who, uh, weren't really kings, but they were counselors to kings, and they were on a diplomatic mission. And they came, and when they came into the presence of Jesus, they fell down and they began to worship him. And then we looked at the King, the true King of Christmas, who's that baby in a manger. Amen? Well, today I want to talk to you about the King of Kings once more, but I want us to realize that when Jesus returns, He's not coming back as a baby in a manger. Amen? He's coming back, the Bible says, as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? So I want want you to join with me and realize that as, as Christians, we know that the Bible teaches us, Jesus said it himself, he said, I'm coming back. And he's coming back for his bride, the church, he's coming back for us. And the Bible has a lot to say about that. And so I want us to look at what the Bible says about Jesus being the king of kings today. So if you've turned to Titus, I want to look at Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. If you want to read along with me. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. First of all, I want us to note there, it says that God's grace has been brought for all men amen just the other week i was in a crowd of people and there was someone there that recognized me and and uh, they recognized me as a pastor and they said hey pastor milt and we were talking about the upcoming christmas services and different things and and he he was he was at at his workplace and he leans over to his buddy there and says hey you ought to come to church too and his buddy kind of was taken back and says, Well, the things I've done in my life, the church had burned down. I came through the doors. How many have ever heard somebody say something like that? This verse just does away with all of that. Amen. God's grace came for all men. Hallelujah. That includes me, <laughs> it includes you. And this year, I pray, as we enter another new year, we recognize that God's grace, His salvation, came for all men. We just have to receive it. It's not about how bad we've been. It's about how great He is and what He did for us. Taking our sins, His blood, cleansing us from all unrighteousness. Amen? The verse goes on. Teaching us. That denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Looking for the blessed hope, everybody say blessed hope, hope. and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Blessed hope is another term that's biblical that we commonly use for the return of Jesus. Has anybody ever heard that? Amen. Verse 14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people. Now, you always thought you were special, and here God's word says you are. He makes you special, doesn't he? And it ends with zealous for good works now when we read a passage like this you can say you know pastor that kind of puts pressure on me it says that we're taught to deny ungodliness and worldly lust and we should live soberly righteously and godly in this present
1: age and that's i want us to think about that for a moment it's relating it to the coming of jesus
0: It's saying because of the blessed hope and we know that Jesus is going to return, that there's a certain way that we're going to live. Amen? Now we've talked about it in the past, the word hope. The word hope in the Bible is different than the worldly hope that we hear about. It's a steadfast assurance that we know it's going to happen, we just don't know when. We know that Jesus is going to return. He's coming back for his bride. Amen? And we're going to read verses about that in a minute. He's coming back for us. We don't know when, but we're living in accordance with that anticipation that Jesus died for me, I belong to him, and one day he's going to return for me, so I'm going to do my best to live for him. Amen? Now, sometimes in churches, you will never hear
1: a pastor talk about how you should live. Why? Because people don't like to hear it. I'm just being honest. But church, I want you to know,
0: a pastor that never challenges you to grow and mature
1: in the things of God is a pastor who's failing you. There's times that I'm going to be compared to a drill sergeant. I'm going to bark out things that just are uncomfortable. I'm going to preach from the pulpit things that are going to make
0: you kind of cringe. But just like a drill sergeant is preparing the troops for battle to be the best they can be, that's the heart of your pastor. Amen. I want to go into the new year growing and maturing in the things of God. I want to say, Lord, I want to live for you. Just like this verse says, I believe Jesus is coming back. And so I'm going to go into this new year. And I want you, Lord, to help me to live a life where people don't have to hear that I'm a Christian. They can see it in my walk.
1: Amen. One of the ancient Christian writers one time said that we need to proclaim Christ, and if we have to, use words. In other words, we live it out. Amen?
0: So Titus challenges us there. Jesus told us, I referred to it earlier, in Revelation is one of the places He told us He's going to return. In, in uh, chapter 22, in verse 12, it says, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his work. Surely, I am coming quickly. The word there, reward, in the original language, means that it can either be a good reward a bad reward and that that fits into the rest of what Jesus says according to our works now if you've been in church very long you know that a church that preaches the Bible will tell you you can't earn your salvation we can't earn it our good works will never accomplish our salvation that's why we had to have Jesus that's why even if you're a good moral person and you live morally all your life and strive to do things that are right, you're still not ready to meet God unless you recognize that Jesus is your Savior, that He paid the price. Our, our, our best works are as filthy rags, the Bible says. So we can't earn our salvation, but we do good works. We live righteous and holy as best we can with the power of the Spirit in our lives because we love Jesus. And we know He's coming back. Amen? Oh, y'all must have had a hard Christmas yesterday. Y'all
1: are tired. I want us to look at Acts chapter 1, 2.
0: Because it talks here about the ascension of Jesus when He left this earth. In verse 10 of chapter one, it says, "And while they looked, there was five over 500 people that were watching Jesus ascend into heaven. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as He went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. They were angels, who, said to, who also said, "Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven?" This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven.
1: Jesus is going to come back. First of all, it's the same Jesus. Every once in a
0: while, you'll read an article or see something on the news where someone is claiming to be Jesus, the the reincarnation of Jesus. Or a prophet of Jesus. Church, those things are deceptive. They're of the devil. The same Jesus that ascended. The same Jesus that died on the cross. The same Jesus that had His nails pierced His hands and feet. That same Jesus is the Jesus who's
1: coming back for us. Secondly, He's physical. He's not a spirit. We're going to see Him. And the fact that Jesus is going to return
0: should motivate our lifestyle. And you say, okay, Pastor, I understand that. But I'm just flesh. I make mistakes. All of us do. But in that same passage where Jesus ascends, right before that, it talks about something that's very important. When Jesus was raised from the dead, When he came out of that tomb, he spent 40 days, what, teaching and preaching to his disciples, preparing them. And one of the last things he says to them is in verse 8. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He answered the question that we're asking right there. How can we live godly? How can we live righteously? How can we live an overcoming life? It's not by gritting our teeth and saying, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. It's saying, Holy Spirit, fill my life. Holy Spirit, empower me to live a life that people don't have to hear me say I'm a Christian. They can see it in the way I live. Amen? So it's not up to us except for inviting the Holy Spirit to empower us. And we're going to go forth in this new year living a life that pleases God, living a life that proclaims Jesus by saying, Holy Spirit, empower me, fill my life, and enable me. Back in Titus chapter 1 and verse 16, scripture says, Listen to this. This is frightening. It says, they profess to know God, but in works they deny Him. Being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. There's another one of those verses that you don't hear most pastors
1: ever preach on. And again, church, I love you. And I'm not saying that I'm not preaching against
0: my, uh, to myself. I'm not perfect either. But we see these verses in God's Word that challenge us. In Matthew, there's one of the most frightening verses you will ever read. It's in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And the the basic truth of prophecy is that you're speaking the Word of God in the power of God. So it's not just prophetic in, in the future. It's... What I'm doing right now, preaching the word of God, or you speaking the word of God
1: into somebody's life. That's prophecy. It also says, cast out demons in your name, and
0: done many wonders in your name. And when I will declare, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you who practice
1: lawlessness. That is frightening. That means there are those that they know all the Christianese. They may even come and get their worship groove on every Sunday. They even minister.
0: According to this passage, it's frightening because it says that they cast out demons. They're prophesying in the name of Jesus. And there's wonders
1: being done in their ministry. That means there's miracles or healings taking place. And you say, well, why on earth
0: would God do miracles through someone who truly doesn't know Him because of His grace and His mercy and His love? If you remember the Corinthian church, God was doing awesome miracles in the Corinthian church, but at the same time, they were corrupt Many of them. There was sin in the camp and they weren't dealing with it. So God's a God of grace. So you can't, you can't, church, this is important. You can't judge a church or a pastor by the miraculous taking place through
1: the ministry. You judge a pastor or a church by how they live and walk the walk and talk the talk. That's powerful. Notice at the end of that
0: verse in Matthew, Jesus says, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. In other words, the same time they were going through the motions in church and even ministering, being part of the ministry in the church, there was an area in their lives that they were practicing lawlessness. In other words, it wasn't a one-time slip here or there, and they said, Lord, forgive me, help me not to do that. They were living a life where this had control in their lives. And the answer to that, church, is again, the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Amen? Because if there's an area in your life where, where there's a, you just slip and you fall and you can't seem to ever overcome it, let me tell you, when you surrender that to Jesus and you say, Lord, come and cleanse me and break that chain off my life, Jesus is still the, bre- the chain breaker. Right. Amen. Amen? He's still the chain breaker. And so so you, with all this that we're looking at, you say, well, Pastor, how can I know that when Jesus returns that I'm ready to go to be with Him? That I'm not going to be one of those?
1: And I'm going to answer that in a minute. What happens when Jesus returns? What happens? Will you be ready?
0: One of my mentors and and pastors that I I truly love is Jack Hayford. I went several times to Van Nuys, California in his church, sitting in a class of pastors with him, having him just pour into us for a, a week at a time and been in his home. And he was such a great man of God. He's still with us and he's getting up in years. But one of the things he said about the return of the Lord, he said when he was a little boy, he got scared that he wouldn't be raptured when Jesus comes for us. And so he asked his mother, he said, how can I know that I'm going to be raptured when Jesus comes? And his mother said, let me pray about it and I'll tell you in a few days. So she came back in a few days and I love her answer. She said, you don't have to worry about being taken up with Jesus at the
1: rapture if you're taken up with Him now. In other words, if you love Him now, if you've got a passion
0: in your heart for Jesus, if you want to live for Him, and you welcome Him to have His way in your heart, in your life, you're surrendered to Him, you're ready to go! Amen? You're ready to go when He comes. Oh, it was a long Christmas yesterday.
1: Elbow somebody next to you and say, stay awake, it's going to get even better.
0: I want to look at what happens when, the, when we're raptured out of, this, out of this world. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50, it says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption and, and inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Now, there's a couple of things I want to mention. It's talking about this flesh, this sinful body. We can't enter into the glory of God in these sinful bodies. And I'm thankful for that because we're going to get new bodies. Amen? Some of you are saying, I'm ready right now. Amen? Because our knees are wearing out or our backs are giving us problems. or These old bodies, they just decay and decay and decay. But we're going to have glorified bodies. Amen. Amen. We're going to have a body that will never decay. Amen. Amen. I love that. When it talks about sleeping here, it says we shall not all sleep. Paul is referring to the same thing that Jesus did. He's talking about death, but guess what, church? Jesus robbed death of its fear and power over Christians. So we no longer fear death. And so Jesus referred to it as falling asleep. And that's what Paul's doing here. He's referring to those who have died with faith and trust in Jesus. Amen? And another thing I want to mention, church, well, I'll wait until we get a little farther in the passage. Let's go on. Look at, look at. behold, I tell you a mystery. Verse 51, you shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed.
1: Woo! That's good. I'm ready to hear that trumpet sound. Amen?
0: And I'm ready for the dead in Christ to rise and I'm going to be changed. Verse 53, For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Oh, death, where is your sting? Jesus robbed death of its fear and power over your life. So don't accept it. Amen? And if you're not afraid of death, then why would you be afraid of anything else in this world? Including COVID. That's it. Or the Omicron variant. Amen? Amen? And I'm not saying it's not real. My my brother-in-law almost died last week. He had double pneumonia and COVID was in the hospital. He almost died, but he had, his church was praying, our church was praying, and there were others that were praying for him. And he had a miraculous turnaround. In fact, the doctors had had given up. They thought he was going to die. They even told him that. They
1: told my sister, we didn't think he was going to make it at all. And they couldn't explain the turnaround.
0: And church, the point I'm trying to make is, God, if he has something else for us to do, we're not going to go to be with him until he's ready. And if Jeff had died with that COVID virus, guess what? He would have been instantly in the presence of the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with Jesus. Amen. And it doesn't get any better than that. The Bible tells us that. It said, Paul said it's far better to go to be with Jesus. That's what he said. It doesn't matter if you're an infant or you're 10 or 20 or 40 or
1: 100. Whenever you leave this life, it's far better to be with Jesus. Just a few months ago, I lost my
0: nephew who was still in his 20s. He was in a car wreck and a a big truck ran into the rear end of his car and crushed his car
1: and it killed him. And it's difficult. My sister's having a rough time.
0: Any of us would losing a child. Some of you here today, you may have lost a child. But church, I want to assure you, if they were ready to be with Jesus, it's far better. It's far better. There's no more pain. No more heartache. No no more of the junk that we have to endure in this life. They're in the presence of their Creator. In the presence of pure love of God. And so church, I just want to tell you, no matter what we face going into this new year,
1: I don't care how many more variants of COVID appear, don't live in fear. Live in faith. Live in faith. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, there's another passage
0: concerning going to be with Jesus. It says, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. Paul says, I want you to know the truth here. He says, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. I am so thankful today that when Dalton died in that car wreck, we were sorry. We shed tears. But not as those who have no hope. Church, I've been to funerals where where there has been no hope because the person didn't know the Lord. There was no hope in that family to meet them again because none of them knew Jesus. They didn't have a hope. This life was all that they had and their loved one was gone. But that is not the hope of Christians today. That's not the hope that we have. We have a hope that says, I don't know when, but one day we're going to be reunited in the glory of God, surrounding the throne with Him one day. Amen? So we don't sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. What's Paul saying there? He's saying those that have died knowing Jesus, their spirit is instantly in the presence of Jesus, but they're going to come back and be reunited with that glorified body And we're going to be there with them. It goes on and it says, For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout. Can you imagine what that shout's going to be like? I don't know exactly what it is. There's different theories and, you know, everybody has a different idea. But I think it's going to have to do with, I'm not waiting any longer. (laughs) I'm coming back for my bride with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. So there we see very plainly that he's talking about those who have fallen asleep and he says those who have died in Christ. So we've got that clear, right? Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with Him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Everybody say that with me. We shall always be with the Lord. (laughs) We shall always be with the Lord. Oh, what I can't even begin to imagine. How How many like that song, I can only imagine? And we we can't we can't really un- understand the fullness. I mean, God has given us some glimpses into the future and into being with Him, but the fullness of it
1: we don't know yet. There's something else in in this verse. Have you ever been to a graveside service? I've preached many of them. Nowadays, a lot of times we don't have them. But can you imagine being in a cemetery when Jesus returns?
0: And all of those graves being emptied. And all the the Christians receiving their glorified bodies and being taken up to be with Him. I love that. Melinda,
1: Melinda thinks I'm getting old, and so she bought me a grave plot a while back. I hope she doesn't have insurance that I don't know about.
0: (laughs) But it's, it's grave plots not too far from her dad. And it's an old Texas cemetery where... The family has been a part of that cemetery for like a hundred years or more. Oh, seven generations. Excuse me, I was corrected. <laughs> seven generations. That's a long time, dear. And she is so excited about seeing that day. If, we, if the Lord doesn't return in our lifetime, we're going to be there And see all those others from generations, seven generations that have committed their hearts and their lives to Jesus caught up together. And it says those that are still alive and remain, that we're going to be translated and receive our glorified bodies in an instant, in the twinkling of an eye, along with them, all of us are going to be caught up to be with Jesus. Oh, I love that. Amen. I I could stay there all day. But I want to to end. So let me jump over to Revelation 19. We're going to to close. But I want you to see another portion of the second coming of Jesus. And being a Texan, this is one of my favorite parts because it talks about white horses. Oh, y'all are asleep. Revelation chapter 19, verse 1. After these things I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord Lord our God. For true and righteous are His judgments. Because He has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication. And he has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. The great harlot here, most Bible scholars agree, has to do with all of the false ways of salvation. All of the things in the spirit of the world that, that have to, to, to do with being anti-God. And it, and it, would, it would include the false religions definitely. But it would also include those who place their faith and their trust in money in the bank or in other worldly things. The harlot is deceiving the people that God has planned to spend eternity with him and telling them there's some other way of salvation. In verse 3 it says, Again they say, Alleluia, her smoke rises up forever and ever. That's depicting the judgment against the great harlot is an eternal judgment. And it also, I have to add this, church, it also includes preachers who do not preach the whole counsel of God. And I'm not talking about those that may be of a different denomination that see a passage a little differently. What I'm talking about is those pastors that just preach what the people want to hear and tickle their ears and don't tell them they need Jesus and that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life and that He is the only way to God. That's what I'm talking about. There are pastors and there are churches that they'll tickle your ears and they may have a great orchestra. They may have a great... uh, building and all the trimmings
1: but unless church unless they're preaching Jesus Christ and Him crucified they're not preaching the gospel and I'd have determined years ago that I wasn't going to preach to tickle people's ears but I'm going to challenge you there's that drill sergeant again 10 shot I want to be a drill sergeant that challenges you to be the best
0: man of God or the best woman of God that you can ever be. In verse 4, it continues and it says, and the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sat on the throne saying, Amen, hallelujah. The 24 elders, the, the majority of Bible scholars believe that's a representation of the Old Testament believers and the New Testament believers that all gathered round the throne of God one day, worshiping Him, falling down before Him. And the four living creatures represent God's, all of God's creation. And they're singing, Alleluia to the Lord. And they're singing, Alleluia, because evil has been done away with. Amen? It's the end of it. And there's victory for the righteous. Look at verse 5. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you His servants and those who fear Him, both small and great. And I heard it as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God all omnipotent reigns. One day we're gonna say that
1: together, gathered around the throne of God. Is anybody still awake?
0: I'm almost through. We're just gonna read through this passage, and I've gotta stop preaching as we go. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen clean and bright for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're called to have the greatest celebration feast of all time with our Lord. How many have ever been to a great big banquet that was just lavish and beautiful, a great celebration after a wedding, at this time they would it would begin at the evening of the day. The wedding would, and it and it would
1: go on not for just a few hours. It would go on for days. Are you ready, ready for that party? <laughs> That's going to be awesome. And he said, "These are the true sayings of God," and
0: I felt it as. Feet to worship him, but he said to me, "See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant, and of your brethren you have the testimony of Jesus. Worship
1: God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy." Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. This this is the good part for us Texans. Now I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. And he who sat on him was called
0: faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. Why? Why does he not just have one crown? Because he is the king of all
1: kingdoms. Amen. there's no kingdom that he isn't over. I love that. He had a name written that no, one except himself, that no one knew except
0: himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. That's us! That's us! You say, Pastor, I've never ridden a horse. It's okay. Jesus will give you a quick lesson. Clothed in fi- That's why I said this is the best part for us Texans. We get to ride white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he shall strike the nations and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And He has on His robe and on His thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. Stand with me. Worship team, come.
1: He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There is no other. Church, it's not Muhammad. It's not Buddha, it's
0: not Hare Krishna. You name the leaders of all those different various religions around the world. Those people are in their grave today, but Jesus is alive. Amen? Amen? In church, there's an excitement in the body of Christ because we see the signs of the times. This this worldwide plague that we've endured. The Bible talks about it in in, uh, Matthew chapter 24. Jesus said there's going to be plagues. He said there's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. All these things are just stirring our hearts. Jesus is coming back for me. And as we enter into this, this may be the last year. We don't know. We don't know when Jesus is coming back. You say, well, Pastor... You know, Paul thought he was going to come back in his times. John did too. The way they wrote, you can tell. They thought Jesus was going to return in their lifetime. And it's been 2,000 years. Every Christian
1: lives like they're ready to meet Jesus. That's what we're called to do. And
0: more and more of the signs are coming to pass and I believe that Jesus could come all the, thing, all the corruption in the world and the evil and the things that are taking place. All the structure that's taking place in the world today setting up for a one world government. It's going to come. The Bible says it is. All those things are going to happen. But we're not going to live in fear. We're going to live in faith. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, I just thank You that You are not only the King of Christmas as a babe in a manger, but Lord, You are the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. I thank you, Lord, that you've promised you will return. And when you return, it's not as a babe in a manger, but it is in all power and all glory. In all the, all the glory of, of heaven, you are, Lord. You're coming back in that ultimate victory and power, and the world will know that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And Lord, I'm so thankful that Lord, we're going to be caught up to be with you one day. And Lord, I'm thankful that heaven is filled with white horses and one day we're going to ride back with you. And Lord, we know that the battle of Armageddon is going to be over in an instant because of your presence when you show up Lord, we just thank you. Lord, we thank you. And Lord, my prayer, not just for our church family, but my prayer, Lord, for this new year is that your Holy Spirit would be poured out in my life. That you would empower me and empower each one of us to live a life that shouts, Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. That Jesus is the Savior. Lord, I pray that every one of us that's struggling, Lord, that we would just focus on total surrender to you. And say, Lord, let Your Spirit strengthen me, empower me. Lord, if there are chains in my life, break off those chains. That I can enter into this new year. Lord, living for You like never before. Being all that You've called me to be. Lord, I just ask it in Your precious name. Amen. I want our prayer team to come forward if they would. I know Dr. Don's ill, and some of the others are out of town, but some of our elders and deacons can fill in. Some are going to come to the front, and some are going to come around the back. And we want to close the service just giving you an opportunity to agree with us in prayer. Whatever needs you have today, I want you to just bring it to Jesus. He loves you
1: whatever needs you